Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, June 6th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we try to answer a dear listener's question about the pros and cons of various front-end JavaScript frameworks. Try and probably fail miserably. Right. (laughs) That's what I almost said. (laughs) Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello there. It's my fan too loud. Uh, I can't hear it over my dehumidifier, so I guess <laughs> I guess not. If I turn the fan off, it'll turn into an oven in here. Yeah, we're getting to that uh, portion of the year, dear listener, where you have to listen to our fans and uh, dehumidifiers in the background. So did you see that Uber and Quirky teamed up, speaking of air conditioners? I did not. I don't even know what Quirky is, so. Okay, Quirky is Quirky is like Kickstarter with a with a production arm. Oh, okay. So so regular people like you and I, <laughs> far from regular, weirdos like us, um, have ideas for products and we pitch them on Quirky and the 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 crowd basically says that's smart or dumb um or it would be great if it only did this or that, or, you know, change these feet, you know, so you kind of crowdsource the invention of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's once a month, there's a winner and then Corky builds it and they, they put it in like target and they sell it online and, um, and your name goes on the box, your name and face goes on the packaging and I'm, I'm sure you get some money out of it. Well, what are we going to make? Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a mashup of 3D printing and crowdsourcing Kickstarter type stuff, but I don't think there's any funding involved. I think Quirky foots all the bill, but uh, interesting. And then side note, GE ended up buying them, so so I think it's a GE subsidiary now. But they, uh, they, I've got a bunch, like a lot of the sensor type stuff that we've talked about in past episodes is from Quirky. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's lots of like I've got a the, all the Wink stuff that has the the thing that you you connect with your Wi-Fi by flashing your phone at it. Uh, those are all all quirky products. Okay, I think I, I think I remember now. So, yeah, it's so like yeah. the spotter and the yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, I got this email that Quirky partnered with Uber, and I'm like, what? That seems weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's the connection there? Like self-driving Uber cars, which would rule. That would, yeah. Um, but no, they uh, it, they partnered so that if you want this new, oh, so the so the most the big news on Quirky now is this uh, air conditioner called Aero, I think, or Aeron, mm-hmm. and it's like a smart air conditioner, of course. So it's like it's like a, an in-window air conditioner that you can control with your phone remotely. And it's, uh, you know, and you can, yeah, it's like you can configure it to come on or off depending on the temperature, all these like fancy things that an air conditioner really should do. Um, and it's 300 bucks, which is not bad for a in-window unit that's like smart and all that. Yeah, I mean, I have, a, I have been, our central air is too small for the square footage of our house mm-hmm. so we have a window unit in the in the living room which is actually like living room kitchen dining room all open mm-hmm. that and it um it was about 300 bucks it has i mean it's not smart and that i can connect it to my smartphone but it does have a remote control that's cool you can do all that stuff yeah that helps um so I was like, what, like I pictured, the, you know, like Uber black car service with like an in-window unit in the back of the car. Like, <laughs> like what are they doing? Like, what does, that doesn't make sense. Um, but they're, they'll deliver them. So you, you, you just like pull out your phone and you order one of these air conditioners and an Uber driver, bring it to your house and you like pay with the Uber app, I guess. I was like, that's the best thing ever. Interesting. Oh, it's so now, awesome. Now Uber, Uber needs to to um, partner with all kinds of companies now. Yeah. I g- start delivering things. I mentioned this to someone before and they're like, oh yeah, Uber Uber does errands for you. I was like, really? Huh. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. There like, used to, there, yeah, like there used to be a guy here that just did, like, it was just a guy. You, you could hire him to go and like pick up or buy anything and like 
Like, oh, if you wanted something from the store that didn't deliver, you'd call the guy. Is <laughs> his name like Earl? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't... How would you call him? Everybody just had his number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was this was like 15 years ago. No, and more than that, it's before I was married. So yeah, it was like 16 or 17 years ago. So ser- like, so that's like pre-cell phone. Or yeah, it was right around the beginning of cell phones. He, he he had a cell phone, but I'm sure it was like the size of. You know, my cat. <laughs> <laughs> but not as fluffy. Not as fluffy. <laughs> um, so I, anyway, so that, we, that, was, that was the air. So maybe you'll be listening to my uh, smart air conditioner next week, dear listener. Depends on how hot it gets here. Nice. nice. I, may, I may have to get... Like, I want a tiny one for the office just because my office is, for some strange reason, the hottest room in the house. But mm. it's also on the front of the house, and I don't really want a window unit sticking out the front of the house. Yeah, that's kind of ghetto. Yeah. We, we do it, but it is ghetto. <laughs> we did it. Actually, last year, we got, um, we got a... It's, this is... Well, I don't know what they're called. It's like a freestanding air conditioner. It's this big... It's like a tower, like a waist-high tower. And then you just uh, vent it outside. Yeah, and it's got like a hose that goes. Little hose. Mm. Yeah, that's that's what the one in our living room is actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got. We probably have the same one. We got it from Home Depot. It has like a, it has like a remote control. It's uh, it's okay. It's not great. Our whole first floor is open, so it's kind of hard to. And we have no central air, so it's kind of hard to. Cool it appropriately. Scintillating, scintillating. (laughs) conversation so hot um, topics yeah hot topics <laughs> so we don't have any housekeeping though so that's i we think don't. i think we don't um yeah so we've got um we got an email from a dear listener we did and whose name i am going to mispronounce take a whack at because it's because it would make a great Dresden um, villain. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you did you uh, did I finish finish it? Skin Game? No, not quite. I'm like okay. chapter forty eight, I think. Ugh, you're almost done. That's like yeah, only six done. chapters or seven chapters yeah, to go. Are you done? No, I keep on. Um, I keep on. I'm pl- I'll be listening to it usually at night after everyone's gone to bed and then I'll fall asleep listening to it. So then I have to, and you have to go back and yeah. And then I go, I go all the way back. So I'm like, I'm not, I remember some of this, but I might've dozed off in the middle. I don't want to miss anything. So I, I've like listened yeah. to chapter 22, like 17 times. <laughs> so. yeah, I, I had that problem when reading, actually reading it last night. Like, well, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. So I know the feeling. Fall asleep reading, and I was like making up my own story. <laughs> Wake up, like wait, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> I know you get weird dreams out of it. Yeah. Um, I had a dream last night that that Nate came and picked me up at the house in a totally refurbished '68 Pontiac GTO, like super random. <laughs> <laughs> that is super you random. May not may not even know what that is, but one of my friends in high yeah. school had a, a Pontiac. We call it the goat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so the a dear listener sent in this email, and his name is Thero Thero Nabucarasu. That does sound. It does sound like. I mean, no no offense to our dear, dear listener, but it does sound like someone you would summon. Yeah. <laughs> I love that name. I hope I said it right because I hope it's pronounced like that. But uh, perhaps uh, he can let us know if I said it right or not. That's a good one. It is. Um, so, and his question was a good one. And it's one that I get a lot, actually. Um, I have a, a couple of friends locally who are like run startups and they're always, they're always sort of, you know, they're super cutting edge and they're always like curious about the latest JavaScript mm-hmm. frameworks. And it seems like they're cropping up like mushrooms these days. Yeah. Um, and he, I'm not going to read the whole email. Um, but I think he might have, I think he might've been remembering incorrectly, but he, he said, uh, I think I heard you once say in passing that you had to pull out angular JS from a client project and, uh, and he wondered why, of course, mm-hmm. and goes on to say that he started using angular four or five months ago and was impressed 
with it and everyone seems to be jumping on the bandwagon which is my experience as well and he couldn't he searched the web for cons you know what what things that are wrong with angular and couldn't find anything valid so he was remembering back that that he thought we had done that but that's he's actually he was remembering it wrong um but it, it raises a really good overall topic um that that is going to be what we'll talk about today it does and that was actually knockout js that i had removed yes and it was for performance reasons if i recall correctly yes yes it was so it was what are some of the other the other players in this category the other other big ones amber i guess yeah i think i think angular and ember are the two big ones now yeah and and i have played with none of these like i've i've been mm -hmm. following angular from the very beginning because um i it it is the way that it's weird because it, on the one hand, Angular feels like a step backwards, but that's why I yeah. like it because it reminds me of the way <laughs> I used to program uh, in Flex and MXML. It's kind of mm -hmm. like a it's kind of like a nuclear version of HTML where you're still doing everything declaratively, uh, but you get all these additional attributes that allow you to add more logic and data, and most importantly, data binding to your yeah. views, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's initially why I, why I was using Knockout because it's kind of the same thing, just like a light version. Yeah. So, and did you what did you when you pulled it out? What did you switch to? Uh, when I pulled it out, I went like like completely like no JavaScript framework. I did um, rewrote everything using, I believe it was Markup JS for templating. Yeah. And then just like you know basic jQuery and plain vanilla JavaScript. Yeah. That's the thing. So, so in my, here's my general, my, well, my first, I guess my first reaction is that I don't have experience with it because I haven't worked on anything that called for it. And I think there are probably two or three reasons why that's true in my case. One being that I shy away from huge web apps. Mm hmm I, I've never worked on one. I would not want to work on one. I don't like the idea of working on one. Um, you know, single, like huge, but basically a single page web app, but huge. Yeah. Like very complicated, like, like, a, like Facebook or like the MailChimp interface. There's right, the, right. Like very complicated. Right. Um, and like the one time I did use, use the framework was it was a single page web app mm -hmm. and it was not huge, but it was large enough that it, you know, at the time I thought, well, it could maybe benefit from something. Right. And it's so it's the, the, the notion of data binding is super attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's like, there's so many things to say about this. I guess the, I guess the too long didn't read is that I think uh, I prefer to just write stuff myself yeah. because the, I, I'm nervous about frameworks, especially big ones because when you do end up with an issue your it's your life turns into hell because you have to fight fight the framework you end up fighting the framework and it's like and and I, I suppose I could potentially make an exception to that potentially for like angular or ember or even on the server side with rails because there's so many people that can help you so, or it's possible that someone has already solved this problem. You just need to find it. Um, but, but it's just like, it's one of those things. I mean, it's like, if I'm not going to use like the crap out of a framework, I'm not going to use it. I'll just write the pieces I need. Like you did after you pulled knockout out, because right. then it gives you, right. give you fine green control over the performance. You know, what I, what I wonder with all of these frameworks that have the, the data binding attributes in your HTML and all that, I wonder how many of them suffer from the same problem that I had with Knockout, which is, you know, there's just, just the performance because you're updating the view constantly. There, there's no way to, like, it just, it creates so many repaints and reflows and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Like, you can't build your HTML and then attach it to the DOM or you can't or, or detach it and, and edit it to your heart's content and stick it back in there and, and have one, one uh, repaint it, you know, it, can, it does it the way Knockout did it, it did it very incrementally, like every single, every single change would trigger 
just massive amounts of, of repaints and, and reflows. Mm. Yeah, that's that's death. And so that reminds me of another another general principle, which is that putting all of the the all of basically the whole application in the client side and just talking to an API, it feels really clean, mm -hmm. but in practice it's slower. So your performance is just it's really not as good as making what you would think would be slower is making a round trip to the server. Yeah. So like my like uh Kilo, which admittedly is a really small application, but it's each view is just just exactly the HTML and in some cases just exactly the JavaScript that it needed for that view. Mm -hmm. And it is screaming fast. It is it faster is. than a native application in a lot of cases. And and you you you're still because like if your whole application is client side, you're still talking to the server constantly. You're just using AJAX. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, it's dirty. But if you are, I don't know. It's it's that's kind of what I was saying, similar to what I was saying earlier about like, um, it feels like an old way to do it. Like Angular to me feels like, like early. It feels like flex. It feels like early web 2.0 Ajax style of programming where you're Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it's not like it's not all the way back to page, you know, new page, new page, new page, new page. <laughs> but it's like um it's it's like a lot of HTML and it's got parts of the it's exactly like flex. They're like pieces of the view that are visible by default at, at a particular state. Uh, and mm -hmm. then, then they change around. So you end up with you end up with a ton of HTML, and you also end up with um, a lot of attributes defined on elements, which which is sort of counter to the concept of of unobtrusive JavaScript. So before yeah. before people started writing unobtrusive JavaScript, where your HTML was just like your HTML just worked. And was generated on the server side by like PHP or Ruby or whatever, Python or Perl back in the day. Yeah. And then you added some, you sprinkled some JavaScript on top of it. And if the JavaScript broke, the whole thing still worked. But, right. you know, the JavaScript made it a little bit better. So you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to, um, you know, you didn't have to have the JavaScript, but it did make things better if it did work. And I got to tell you, like, I, I know I'm a dinosaur, but writing that way at least for V1 of an application is still, in my humble opinion, a great way to go. Yeah, it is. Well, it's a you know, it's a it's a progressive enhancement right. strategy. Right. And um, but yeah, it just with with things like presumably Angular and 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 I noticed with Knockout and I'm sure some of the others, it's it's like you said, having having so much logic and data binding. And, and all of that in your HTML, it just, it's like, yeah, I was writing less JavaScript, but like the HTML just felt like a huge mess, you know? Yeah, and it's hard to read. It's yeah, like all those angle yeah, brackets it, and quotes and so. Yeah, like it, it got really hard to read because I'm like, you know, if you want to check, if you want to check an attribute in your HTML, well, you may have, you know, like eight other attributes in that same HTML tag that, you know, that, that Angular is using that you have to wade through to get to the, you know, mm. it's just, it makes the, it makes the markup larger and harder to read. Yeah. It, I, I am intrigued by it. I do like the idea of it. I like the idea of attaching mm -hmm. behavior to an element or attaching, um, attaching smarts to an element and saying, yeah. Hey, if the database ever updates, you need to refresh yourself. Yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, it's a great idea, but it's. I feel like the way. I feel like there's a like the. I feel like the browser is just set up in a way that makes that not work that great, or at least not work, not be very optimized. Yeah, or I'm. I'm not sure it belongs in the HTML. I it. You know what it boils down to. It boils down to. Am I writing a? You know, and and Jeremy Keith will be, will slap me through the internet. Uh, it boils down to if you're building a website, you're building a web app. And and I realize that there are tons of examples that you could throw in my face that are 
well, is this a website or is it a web app? Is like Wikipedia is a website until you go in, until you submit an article, you edit, then it's an app, right? Like when is which is it the other? You know, and I'm like, yeah. And Facebook's the classic example, but you know when you're building a website and when you're building a web app. Yes. If you're built like when we did the TechCrunch or or like Time, those are websites. Those are websites. Time is definitely a website. It's a website. There's tons sticky of al- sticky on albums it. as a web app. <laughs> sticky, they, definitely the album, and but also the builder itself yeah. is a web app and it's like so you you know so when you know you're in that so like like angular would be horrible to use on a website i can't i could not i can't think of a reason why you'd make a website with angular yeah it would be horrible and it would be like enormous overkill <laughs> yeah you'd have i assume you'd have all i mean maybe it handles deep linking and all that but it's it's like you're just completely over engineering something that should be simple um so when you know you're building a web app, uh, this is exactly Jeremy Keith's argument, which is like, um, which is like, all of a sudden, people use the word web app. They're like, oh, I'm not building a website. I'm building a web app. Therefore, I can throw accessibility out the window. I can throw progressive enhancement out the window. I can I can require JavaScript. And anybody who doesn't have JavaScript is just SOL. And that's where you get these websites where you go to the, the homepage and it's just... <laughs> It's just a white page because JavaScript didn't load or broke or their CDN is down or something happened and the site's just not there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I hate that pattern. I think it's really bad, but at the same time, I realized that, you know, there are a lot of times there are business goals or biz, you know, like, like use cases that, that it's just not practical to go full on progressive enhancement. Right. So, there's like there's always a like there's always a point that you start at so that's like when we're always talking yeah. about starting small you always like I'm, I'm not asking people to be unreasonable like go think of the most reasonable like a the, the smallest most constrained environment you can think of that someone would reasonably be accessing your content or service yeah and start like, there right that's like you could read happy docs on the phone but you wouldn't want to write documentation on your phone yeah and maybe you wanna I don't know delete something or or something like you might want to yeah. make a minor change like at an interface level but you're not going to be writing json <laughs> on an iphone right, on your phone so i haven't had experience with any of these frameworks on a other than a little bit of jquery mobile which is mm-hmm. way more webby than appy yes i haven't had experience with anyone because i kind of shy away from projects that they're well suited for and so that's one thing the other thing is that um couple of really big sites famously determined that um that they're just they are slower like like basecamp for example mm-hmm. like basecamp is interesting because it is very much a i would call it a web app for sure it's got all kinds of like definitely yeah like auto it's got workers going on in the background and it's auto updating pages in real time and there's like collaborative uh editing and but at the same time they they do a great job of making everything linkable so you can link to a particular comment uh, it's so it's a real it's right at the, that's really in the middle for me where it does it has all the benefits of a website in terms of sharing and linking and all of that um, but it's very much a web app it has some very sophisticated interactions mm-hmm. and when they um, when they when 37 signals released the latest version David Hannemeyer Hansen kind of famously blogged about how um, putting all the logic on the client side, which was de rigueur at the time and is still, uh, was just way slower. And he was like, the, the goal for this redesign was for it to be screaming fast, which it is. Yeah, well, it was. Well, yeah, it usually is really fast. And yeah, the- yeah, it was until people started using it. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's slow for you? It's incredibly slow for me. Wow, not me. Huh, I wonder if it's that Kentucky connection. Could be. But, I mean, like, relative to other things, Basecamp is still slower than most other stuff I do. Oh, wow. That is yeah. not my experience. Interesting. Well, who knows? Kentucky, <laughs> it's your Kentucky Fried connection. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, or maybe yeah, there's, something, your- there's something about it that's very... Uh, very bad on in hostile network situations. Could be. Who knows? Oh, that's well. That's interesting. 
But uh, Twitter did a similar thing. Twitter was like, yeah. time to first content was really bad when they switched to the hash bang, you know, web app approach. And oh they God, just. Oh, God, the hash bang was horrible. Oh, that was so bad. So bad. I'm glad people learned that lesson fast. So, yes. so to make a long, I guess, I guess we're offering, I'm, I don't feel like I'm offering any useful constructive criticism. <laughs> Um, I suppose what I would say is that if you were going to make something that I would use Angular, if I would reach for Angular and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm going to try this. Uh, that's the one I would try if, if I needed to build a really complicated, um, desktop like app experience in a, uh, in a browser, in a browser. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, think I think the way that Angular, the way that Angular works is the way I think as opposed to the way that, um, say Sencha Touch works. I do not think like Sencha Touch. No, I, I I I tried to think like Sencha Touch once and I almost had a brain aneurysm. So <laughs> Sencha I mean, Touch is, feels like you're feels like you're manipulating the DOM with raw JavaScript where you yeah. like create a bunch of elements and then you append them to a parent and you set all their attributes individually. It feels really your whole application is like a gigantic pile of JSON and to me that doesn't feel right either. Yeah, no, it feels yeah, I mean, you, you need a balance there. <laughs> HTML files are there, use them. <laughs> right. But at the same time, don't be afraid to write JavaScript. Yeah. It's, yeah, it just, if I was going to use one now, I think Angular would be just like the, the one I would reach for just because, you know, it, it is so popular and so, you know, has such a, such a large, large community and large following and a lot of people using it and it was made by google so presumably the people who did it are smart yeah you know it's just it's i'm like you i typically don't work on huge applications that require that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. i mean sticky sticky the builder is a big app but it's highly specialized and it's fairly compartmentalized we're not doing everything all the logic's on the server yeah so it's like you know, it's not, it's, I mean, there's some DOM manipulation, but I don't think there's any Ajaxy stuff. Maybe the image uploads? Uh, the, all the image, the image uploading stuff. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's basically it. Just the, the image stuff. Mm. So, yeah. Some, some of the save as you go type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, so, so, I'm not, I'm definitely not trying to talk this guy out of using Angular for whatever his, he, he didn't really explain what it was that he was building with it. So, yeah. you know, it may or may not be. have been appropriate in our opinion. But, um, but hey, if it's working for him. Yeah, I mean, if it works, great. It's kind of like the Eddie Van Halen quote, you know, like, if, you know, about what makes good music. He's like, if it sounds good, it's good. <laughs> yeah. If the app, yeah. if Angular works, it it's, works for you, then it's good. If it's if it's working good and you're getting the kind of performance you need and you're happy with it, go for it. Yeah, and you know having a big community around it, I think, is really important. It is. Like I shy away from stuff that's like the brand new sexy thing because it's like, yeah, well, you know, it's. I think I'd really rather roll my own for the pieces of functionality that I need. I'm trying to think of exceptions to that. When do I like? When do I not roll my own? Hmm. Every once in a while, there'll be something like I always use modernizer, but yeah, every uh, once in a while you'll use mustache. Yeah, I've, I have, I wouldn't use mustache again. No, nah, I don't, I'd be more likely to use <coughs> markup.js. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know. There's something about templating that just really templating on the client side really rubs me the wrong way. I really don't like it. Yeah, there's there's a trick that I've been doing lately. I've done in the past, and I continue to do, and I like, which is to it's just a performance enhancement, though, of mm-hmm. like stuff that you're not gonna show rather than hiding it. I actually comment it in the HTML, and then uncomment it if I need it. Interesting. Yeah, which is a trick that uh, I learned from Gmail, where there's tons and t- there's like gigabytes of commented code, not gigabytes, but there's megabytes of commented. <laughs> Uh, markup inside of gmail i did not realize that yeah and so like because you know if you go into your inbox you're not necessarily going to compose a message so why send down all that markup and have it in the dom right so they comment it so it's not in the dom and then when you go to use it then it uncomments it and uh 
I've done that. Uh, that's actually in, in sticky right now. The, um, for a different reason though, there's some, there's some iframes that, uh, point at YouTube or Animoto inside of the album. And mm-hmm. if you, if you, um, and they make the network request even if they're not visible. So ah. I had because we have offline support, so I had to, um, had to comment them out. Actually, comment them out, and then I uncomment them if it turns out we have a network connection. It's so. interesting because I I have stored like HTML template like type code in comments before, and then I've grabbed it out mm-hmm. and inserted it into the DOM. Mm-hmm. Like you like used the comment to create an object of, of with the same markup, mm-hmm. but I've not I've not actually like just removed the comments around stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is. I would probably. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to think back. I think I did. Uh, it's essentially where you would normally do display none, where you'd hard mm-hmm. code display none into the into the elements that aren't yeah. supposed to be shown by default. And then you like maybe show them later to like pull up like a settings page or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's just a little more, it is a little bit more of a pain in the butt. So I'd only do it if you, if you had to display none still works fine for most cases. But if you're trying to, if I don't know if there's like a huge image download involved or video is really where it becomes a problem because you can't control it video and iframes. It's like you have a hard time controlling in different browsers. Like if it's, <laughs> Like the browser is going to potentially prefetch stuff that you don't want to prefetch, and so commenting it is a like a for sure way to prevent it, prevent that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, and you've seen in my in my JavaScript, I'm I'm not a, I'm not completely against writing a big chunk of HTML in my JavaScript. <laughs> no, I noticed that. Which is gross, but you know, it's sometimes when you're doing progressive enhancement, it's like I don't want. I could really go either way. I could put it in the markup, comment it out, or just if it's if it's if you probably around twenty lines, then I'd start to get hives. Mm. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. I'm not. I'm not totally against that. You just use slashes to escape the line returns, and you can write regular HTML. <laughs> it's a little dirty, but I mean, it's the web. It's dirty. <laughs> yeah, it is. I feel. I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's something else I wonder. Oh, there's two other things that are sort of coming that I think are relevant in this case. So if people are looking for, um, data binding, the concept of data binding, mm-hmm. which is to me, to me, that is the excitement of, yeah, that Angular. that's the interesting part. It's like, I don't care about the templating client side templating and, and all that stuff. It's the, the data binding and, and observate and observations and stuff. Right. Well, so object observers is coming in ECMAScript 6, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. It seems like it's getting closer and closer to being a reality, which, which, as I understand it, means that you can put listeners on a JavaScript variable. So when the variable <laughs> changes, do something. So, That's nice. Yeah, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Because then you could say, okay, you know, I've got I've got all of my state stored in this variable and like, I don't know, like uh, I've got a sidebar with a, a count of emails in my inbox or a count of to-dos that aren't done. And mm-hmm. then I've got this other panel on the right-hand side where, yeah, let's say to-dos. So I've got to-dos on the left-hand side and there's a count at the top that says, you know, five uh, undone, you know, five to-dos need to be completed still. And, and on the right-hand side, I'm drilled into one of the particular to-dos and I complete it over there. Then there's like two, piece of, two pieces of UI that need to update. Yeah. So, I, so you can sort of, you, can, you could look at it two different ways. I'm not sure how observers are implemented, but um, you could look at it two different ways. One, I could say, just watch, just watch this variable. Like if this variable, uh, whatever it is, like to-dos, let's say I have an array of to-do objects. Yeah. If anything <clears throat> changes in here, then um, update the count update these three you know these in this case these two different elements so this one or even if you just say refresh these two elements that even not even send an update just like send a hey you gotta your your stale your info is stale yeah and then it goes and, and grabs the new info again right and so so that's that would be sort of a a tightly coupled way to do it because the event handler on the object would need to know all like you'd have to keep up to date all the places that would that need to be updated 
<laughs> so if you if you imagine like an HTML person working on the project and a JavaScript per- working on the project, uh-huh. the JavaScript person is not going to know all the places in the HTML that need to need to know about this. Right, the HTML guy is going to be changing things around, yeah, or adding a view or whatever. So. Um, you know, because the the person working on the HTML has the client to deal with, and so the client's going to be changing things like crazy because they see it and they're yeah. like, oh, you know, this should be a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, um, this should be a little bit different. Change this around. Like nobody cares how the JavaScript's written except for the person <laughs> right. who's writing it. So, so the other another approach, and I think probably a slicker approach, w- is to tell every time a you know essentially agree on the name of a data store which is just a fancy name for like the variable that's holding the data (laughs) yeah and say okay the to-dos are held in an array called to-dos full stop if you care about to-dos then you need to subscribe to um, events right yeah like a pub sub kind of thing exactly so so i'm the html guy all i need to know is because I need to know where to get the data from, probably. Yeah. So you just bind on the thing. You'd add some, and this is where this is what Angular kind of does, which is that you know, say, okay, um, uh, like this particular element is bound at this level of the hierarchy to uh, to a data object called to dos. Mm-hmm. And but you know, so the the tricky part is, it's like who. It's like at that point, you kind of need some templating to actually for the HTML guy to be able to act on that. You need some templating for the HTML guy. Yeah. Um, so if the so it's in a in a certain way, it's easier for the JavaScript guy to write everything and the HTML guy to just tell the JavaScript guy, hey, there needs to be a way for the, the HTML person to tell the JavaScript person what all needs to be updated when to do is change. And whether that's whether that's declaratively in the markup, that's probably where it should be. It's not 100% clear to me how to do it, though. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like in the in the sidebar, I don't need all the to-dos. I just need a count of the to-dos. Right. You just need a count. So So that's kind of like have, where markup.js comes things. in. Yeah. So, you know, and this is the problem that Angular solves so well, and that's why people love it, because it's, right. it's pretty common, and it's really tricky. It's super annoying. Like, when the user interface gets out of sync, it's ir- so irritating. Yeah, it, it is, and if, you're, if you're, you're doing it all, I guess, by hand the hard way, then, you know, you have to update the DOM. You, know, you have to explicitly update the DOM and, you know, Two, four, twelve, twenty places when you change. Right. You change a variable. Right. You might have views all over the place that. Right. Are stale essentially. So yeah, it's like it's funny because this is this is purely this is only a problem with client side apps because all of this yeah. information would get stored on the database. So if you're a page 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 person like me, you never have to worry about this at all because it's all handled <laughs> on the server. And so how come it works? How come it's so easy on the server? Why is it so tricky to do it on the client? I think it's just the performance thing, really. I mean, you could just rewrite the page every time they did something, like without the network request. Yeah, you could. Just re-init the whatever you, because you have a template. Like, even when you're doing server-side programming, you have a template. Yeah. But the templating languages are more mature on the server side, and they're more, they can do more things. They're not as limited. They can talk directly to the data store over there. Yeah, the, 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 languages is a, the language is a lot more sophisticated. Well, yeah, it really I is. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's the right word. But well, it's feature-rich, <clears throat> I guess. Feature-rich, yeah. And you don't have the performance issues. Right, that's the thing. Like you could just rewrite the interface the whole time on the client side, and then you wouldn't have the problem. But you're sort of like, why not just do the round trip? <laughs> yeah, at that point, you may, <laughs> at that point, it'd be faster to do the round trip. It's weird. I wonder though, yeah. because if you think about it, if you think about it, even even if you use Angular, or even if you're using uh, Object Observer, and you are trying to um, atomically update the interface like oh you know over in the sidebar and also in the checkbox on the to-do that you're currently viewing full screen mm-hmm. 
that's two updates to the dom like you you've painted twice not once yeah or you could just redo the entire dom and that's once (laughs) so it's like which one's (laughs) faster i don't know i I wonder if the full repaint like one single repaint of the entire thing i wonder if that's faster yeah and that Mm. and that's what i ran into on the app i was working on i had it was large lists of things and you would potentially have many items in the list that would update at once and it was and each one was triggering triggering a repaint oh yeah and so after i pulled out knockout i had you know, i still had to update 10 12 things but it was like, okay detach mm-hmm. edit stick yeah. it back in repaint once yeah and that's and that's how i do it too it's yeah. like i'll do i just compile all the new html into a variable and i insert it into the dom once so it's like yeah that's funny because you can't i guess it really it's one of those things where you just have to test your app and be like be like this is a problem or it's not yeah i mean to me there was a threshold it depended on the complexity of the page and um css3 like gradients and rounded corners shadows and things like that and and how and the number of objects you were editing Mm -hmm. yeah so like (laughs) I don't know if that made if that's going to make sense to people. You want to expand a little bit on the gradient thing? Yeah, any any time you have you're using any of the the sort of advanced CSS three stuff, like anything that has a transition attached to it, or is rendering a gradient, or, or round, rounded corners, or transparency, or drop shadows, or things like that, you're it's gonna basically what the browser is basically the browser like for instance a gradient. Every time you render a gradient with CSS. Basically, the browser is drawing an image file every time that happens. So, you, you're gonna you're gonna run into performance if you're manipulating elements that have those things attached a lot because the browser has to to generate these graphics every time. Right, and so and imagine like a box shadow on a list of a thousand things. Yeah. Every single portion of that box shadow, every single pixel in every single one of those box shadows has to be calculated on the fly by the browser to figure out what color it should be. Yeah. So it's really, really computationally intensive. So if you're forcing a repaint on on 12 things one by one that all have gradients in this list, it's like, boom. It's noticeable. It's not just a little bit slow. Yeah. So I even, I'll actually link to, in the show notes, to a, uh, I have the little demo app that uh, that does like CSS transitions and it moves stuff around the page and you can turn on mm-hmm. and off opacity and <coughs> shadows and um, gradients and you can see this gigantic performance difference when you shut off like some of the make it a more so flat design yeah we should we should link to that we should link to so that's a funny idea though like just just redo the whole page like oh done making changes okay just repaint the page every well that's actually <laughs> the way windows works like windows for the longest yeah. time was just repaint the screen yeah, it did. It from did. scratch, like so, when you'd move a when you'd move a window and it would like take a chunk out of the window under it. That's <laughs> because it was re- it wasn't like individual threads. It was like right. just repaint the screen. Oh, that's funny. Huh. Very interesting. So I don't know what's the takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is one. The the takeaway is um, you know we. We don't hate Angular because we've never used it to hate it, and it's Knockout that we had the performance issues with. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but they could potentially all have that that same sort of issue. And but if you're doing a big project and it works for you, great. But for the little stuff, yeah, we don't like it. We don't like it for performance reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's bad. It's bad for performance reasons. Mo- almost certainly, it's going to be it's going to be something that you're going to have problems with, and it's definitely bad for progressive enhancement, yeah, or, or graceful degradation in this case. So you you have you're introducing like some brittleness, but like you know it might not be an issue for some reason. Like you're creating a PhoneGap app that you know is going to have WebKit or whatever. Um, yeah, and the other thing the other thing that we did mention, but I would I would. I would say when you're out there looking for a framework like this, like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, you know, I definitely need one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that like the number one thing I would look for is like a vibrant community. Yeah. That's a good point. There's a bunch of these things like, um, uh, 
like Ionic is is something I don't even understand what it is, but it's like <laughs> built on top of Angular somehow. Mm -hmm. So you know, so you, instead of a megabyte of JavaScript, you have two megabytes of JavaScript. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but I, I don't know even know what it is. But everybody seems to be very excited about Angular with Ionic and PhoneGap. That seems to be like a combination people are digging. Interesting. Another one that people are just raving about is React JS, which is. Yeah. Um, Facebook's framework. And that one I kind of have to give some credence to. I guess it just had their they just had their first year anniversary and I have so the thing with Facebook is I I believe like you said with Google, that's from Google so it must be smart. I believe the same thing about Facebook. Mm -hmm. Without exception the stuff that comes out of there is smart. Uh, but without exception the stuff that comes out of there is for Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not, you know, if you're so, not Facebook if you're not building a Facebook-like thing, then it might not be so great. Right. Um, and I looked at, I've looked at the code for React, and it gives me the it gives me the the sort of it's a programmatic approach, which I mm -hmm. don't love when it comes to user interface. I, I prefer a declarative approach when it comes to user interface. Yeah. So it's something to look into. It's definitely one of the big ones. Uh, Ember is another big one that has a really popular, uh, a really vibrant community. Yeah, I think Ember is pretty popular in the Rails community too. I think there's some some good integration there between yeah, the two. That makes sense. Um, what are some others? Another one. There's something called AppJS that I, that is sort of intriguing to me, but it's it's much more lightweight and it's very very specific to making like um, mobile phony type mm. interface interactions. And it looks I don't know. There's something about it that I like. I was actually thinking about trying out um, making the next sticky theme with app.js see what I thought of it. Uh, I'm still waiting for you to make one with Famous. Famous has got a serious learning curve to it, but I that that'll that's going to be that's definitely going to happen. Um, the Famous framework, which is really unlike any of these things, it's nothing nothing like any of this stuff. No, no, it's completely different. Yeah, it's like Famous is really a way to group a bunch of views in a way it's like it's a way to create and like apply physics to a whole bunch of views and then inside of each of the view think of them as like think of them as like divs mm -hmm. so you got all these divs and they're they could be anything they could be pages inside of a, a business application or they could be i don't know photos uh, yeah, each one could be, it could be photos in a photo gallery. It could be absolutely any arbitrary HTML inside of each one of these divs. And then what Famous does is it gives you um, physics, it gives you physics-like control over those divs. Yeah, so you can go all minority report on it. Yeah, totally. You can do like, it, and it gives like amazing performance on moving these things around because it never lets the browser calculate where to position them. Like we were just saying, it's really hard for the browser. Like when you make it calculate a million pixels on the fly, it's going to jank. Mm -hmm. Famous doesn't, Famous explicitly calculates the numbers in JavaScript so the rendering engine doesn't have to do it, which you'd think would be slower, but it turns out it's not slower. It's a lot faster. Yeah, so, yeah. So the so the one day everything will be JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, the birth and death of JavaScript video. Yeah. I'll link to that too. Um, but so that's the thing. That's the thing with Famous is it's like it, it says, you know what, browser, I'll figure this out and I'll just tell you where to put everything. Yeah. And um, then you don't have to figure out where to put it. You just have to figure out how to render the stuff that's inside of each one of the the divs. And uh, that creates a an amazing, amazingly smooth. And they must be using request animation frame too, because it's it's completely jankless. It's, it's amazing. You cannot tell the difference between like you, there's an app called Stellar S T E L L A R dot C O. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell the thing is not native. I mean, it's 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 wrapped in PhoneGap if you install it on your iPhone, but it's like you cannot tell it's not native. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So very, very cool. So that's, but that's uh, actually, um, we are going to do that. But interestingly enough, I think the big roadblock for that will be um, everyone agreeing on a design. Probably so. Yeah, that's, yeah, that'll be the trickiest part, because we it's like completely unrestrained. And it's like, all right, well, if we could build like, 
it'll be like the design process for a native app. Like what, like, what well, really, what do you want this to look like? Um, app.js is very app like, so mm-hmm. you get, you get all this typical stuff you kind of expect from jQuery mobile, but I think it's a little slicker. Um, we've got like toolbars and lists and all the controls you'd expect. And it's got like iOS and Android automatic iOS and Android, you know, transitions that are platform resident and all that cool stuff. So if you're looking for a framework for a a small, like iPhone, Android app type of thing, app.js might be of interest. Which is like the framework episode now. I guess. It is, it is, yeah. It is, which we're Sorry, anti, so I, we're like anti-framework, but this is the framework episode. It is, yeah. I, it, my my favorite approach is still, I'm, I'm going to write some JavaScript and, oh, and I need to handle drag and drop photos. Well, I'll get drop zone. You know, just pull in the bits and pieces that I need. Right, yeah. Construct but, it like out of Legos instead of, yeah. instead of buying like a giant yeah, like, model. Right. The Lego Lego block approach. Yes, it's so much. That's that's it's a personality thing. I think we have the same the same thing where it's like, you know, we're both relatively experienced programmers too. So there's like we can we're capable of writing this stuff ourselves. There's that. Yeah. And and we've both been burned, and it's like when when that burn comes, it is brutal. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather just not have the burn, and I'd rather do the work up front and do like. Because it'll it'll probably take you longer to code it initially, but then the debugging, the the like life cycle of the application, it's not going to take you any more time. It's like all it does is only what you need. Right, and it's like the the benefit of using a framework usually, because the framework is just JavaScript that you could have written. Yeah. The benefit of the framework is that you get off the ground a lot faster. Yeah, and it's great. It's great for collaborative projects too. That's true, because everyone can like speak the same language. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, there's stuff in there that that is super advanced. Like, you look at Mm -hmm. jQuery Mobile. There's stuff in jQuery Mobile that you, I'm going to say, literally couldn't write. And I don't mean that in a, I'm not exaggerating. Like, like one person literally could not have written jQuery Mobile because (laughs) you couldn't have done the testing. The time investment. That you just wouldn't have the devices. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to test it on all those places. Like, you, you literally need multiple people to build something as bulletproof as jQuery Mobile. Or jQuery itself, so th- there is that. That argument is is a solid one. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Angular is that though. Like jQuery is kind of in a class of its own. It is. So. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not anti framework in general. I I tend to be more anti client side framework than I am server side. Mm-hmm. Doing something server side, it's like oh, okay. I'll I'll grab whichever framework is is best suited for it. But client side, I know client side frameworks just don't. I don't. They're not reliable. That's the problem. That and to me, it's like an organizational thing. Mm. Like it just it doesn't feel. I don't know. Like I'm I'm picky about the way I organize things, Mm -hmm. and client side frameworks just don't really seem to. Just, just, they just don't do it for me in that regard. Yeah, I've never... Angular's the cl- closest one for me that I've seen that, like, threads the needle with what I like from a yeah. front-end code organization standpoint. That's the closest one. And it's like, you know... Actually, I, I don't mind jQuery Mobile either, but I've never used it. You know, because it's like... it's. It's overkill. Yeah, it's always overkill for me. So it's like if you, it's we've said this in the past. It's like everybody's in a different place on the learning curve, and if it's like beyond your capability, then yeah, grab a framework. Yeah, because it's like you're you're never gonna, you know, that's how you learn, and uh, so that's cool. But the uh, the the approach of monolithic versus micro, I think mm-hmm. if you can. If you can patch together a bunch of micro stuff, you might be better off. But at the same time, they could conflict. I don't know. Yeah, it's just my you know, my goal is still to to do as much as I can with as little code as possible. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's say that you did have a pro- like, let's say it was you know ten years ago or something, and you had a project okay. that came across, and you're like, oh, I can do all the CSS and everything, but there's some like really sophisticated interactions here that I I know I can't code. Mm-hmm. Like you'd be a lot. You'd be 
you would not take the project, right? You'd, you'd start no, looking I'd, around I'd for frameworks. Start looking for, for frameworks to do it. Yeah. So that's, and, and and that's even, fair. Even still, even right now, if I have something to do that's really complicated, even if I can do it, I'm not going to jump right in and, and start coding it until I've looked and examined the other possibilities for things that are out there that are already doing it. Yeah. You know, I, I may end up in the end deciding, well, I, I, I don't like this implementation or this does a bunch of other stuff that I don't need, so I'm only going to pull out, pull out this bit or I'm going to write my own. But if I have to do something big and complicated, I'm always going to look and see what's available first and see if there's a, a solution out there that's going to save save everybody time and money and frustration. Right. And like, what's an example? Um, Like the drag and drop upload stuff for yep, Sticky. Drop zone. Yep, drop, drop zone. zone. And like paperclip, that's not front end, but paperclip's yeah. a the the upload file management, image S3, manipulation, yeah. compression, all that stuff. Yeah, like who wants to write that? No yeah. one. That's a nightmare. <laughs> it's like yesterday. I was <laughs> when I was writing some tests yesterday. I ended up <laughs> debugging image magic, and <laughs> I think I just wanted to cry. Yeah. Like no one has time for that. Yeah. Well, so now here's, this might be an interesting question. So like you're a huge Rails fan and Rails is monolithic. It's a all in one solution that it's a complicated, big, huge thing. It is a complicated, big, huge thing. The parts are a lot more loosely coupled than they used to be. Yeah. But I still end up basically using it all anyway. (laughs) Right. And so now why do you think... So we've probably touched on, but just to like summarize, we've touched on all these points, but why do you think you're reluctant to use a similar big, huge thing on the client side? Like if like top three reasons why you're... Uh, reason one, performance. Mm-hmm. Reason two, organization and structure. Like, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, reason three... Um, I don't know. I just... <laughs> Like inflex, like to me, inflexibility. Yeah, performance is probably the big one. Yeah, that that and inflexibility. I mean, Rails is huge and monolithic. Yeah, but there's gems for everything at this mm-hmm. point. And if you don't, if there's not, then writing your own gem to do things is like super easy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like Apache. Apache is yeah. monolithic, but you but it does everything. Yeah, like so when you get I, that might be part of it. Like like a lot of the front end frameworks are um, relatively immature. So it's like the odds of you getting painted into a corner and just flat out stuck are pretty high. Yeah, because then you run into things that are... I don't know. It seems like a lot of times when I've hit bottlenecks with front-end stuff, it's been... It's not just been like, oh, I need to do this thing that the framework doesn't support. It's been, oh, I need to do this thing that fundamentally goes against everything about the way this framework was designed. Yeah, I've got a great example, actually. So in sticky albums, we use Photoswipe. Like mm-hmm. tons of tons of people use Photoswipe for image gallery type stuff. And they, and, and they do some magic when you are swiping between images in the gallery. So like you have a gallery view where you see a bunch of thumbnails. It looks like the original iPhone photo app. Mm-hmm. And then you tap on one and it zooms in and then you can swipe left and right to go back and forth to the images. And I have gone through the code and I cannot figure out how <laughs> they made it um, so smooth. Cause usually what happens is when you're doing what, what I fondly refer to as sticky finger swiping. Yes. Where as you move your finger across Oddly the screen. Oddly appropriate in this case. Yeah. As you're swiping, the image follows your finger and the next image starts coming in on the screen. And when, and, and you're not, and, and that's like, you can either set the left position or you can set the, the transform X, however you do it. You're mapping the, the finger event, the touch event, and you're saying, okay, the, fi- the finger has moved 25 pixels to the left, so offset this image 25 pixels to the left right. using translate X or left. Yes. And, and that's fine. And then when you let go, you have to, do, you have to say, okay, the finger just you, lifted. Yeah, you have to have a threshold. 
you do have to have a threshold, right? And so you say, okay, the finger lifted, do I snap the current image back into place because they barely moved it? Or do I proceed to the next image? Mm -hmm. And but let's just say you didn't do that. Let's just say that you you always continued in the direction that the finger moved, no matter how little it was. There's still always this thing where right when your finger leaves the screen, there's a hiccup. When it switches from the like, because then what you're going to do is you're going to animate it the rest of the way. Yeah, and that animation's not going to match. Right, the there's this noticeable hiccup. Right, and it's right. it's, but but it's not in PhotoSwipe. They somehow and like is something subtle about the way their CSS and JavaScript is set up. It's nothing obvious. Like, it's just some weird way that they have it set up that it just so hmm. happens that it just picks up that motion, like magic. So interesting. But so here's the thing. There's no with PhotoSwipe. So PhotoSwipe is like, and we, we, we want that. We want that like amazingly native buttery scrolling. Yeah. But the problem with PhotoSwipe is that it doesn't emit a bunch of events that we need. Uh, so like I need to know stuff like how many times the user has swiped and in what direction, but there's no way to, it doesn't do that. Right. And, and uh, another thing I need to, what I would, another thing I would like to do is be able to, insert arbitrary html as a slide but it's set up to just take a take a list of links to images that expect an image inside of each a tag and it turns it into a photo gallery full stop period nothing else so if you want to if you want to add like add a slide after page loads look so the page loads it creates a slideshow and then and it's done what i want to do is like load the page do some DOM manipulation, maybe, to add some yeah. stuff into the page. Yeah. But it's too late because PhotoSwipe already initialized. That's one thing. And the other thing is it, it, it won't work because I can't put arbitrary HTML in there. I can only put images in. Yeah. So, it, you know, so like I'm doing all kinds of hacky workarounds. Like I'm listening to, you know, mutation events on the DOM because <laughs> I, I know what PhotoSwipe does to the DOM. So I can tell when a swipe happened but it's really disgusting and and i still can't insert arbitrary slides because it doesn't it doesn't create the whole slideshow and you just scroll through it, it like right. the, every time somebody swipes it like changes the the dom so it's just it's so we're stuck because there are like features we want to add in that we cannot add in because of this framework and i've hacked at it and hacked at it and hacked at it and we've contacted the original developers but they don't support it anymore and it's like it would be, I can, so we're faced with this thing like where, okay, here's this code base that's dead, basically. Development has stopped. We're either going to start a fork of it. Yeah. And it's huge. We're going to start a fork of it and start messing around with it. Or, or we're going to figure write out how to do or that. find something else. Yeah, we're going to write our own. So, or find something else. So, so probably, probably the next one will be either roll your own or maybe app.js and then the one after that will be the famous one which is just like mm. infinitely customizable but a much steeper learning curve and it'll be yeah. a much more sophisticated design that we'll have to fight fight about yeah i went in on that one <laughs> yeah that one that's gonna I'm be like, I'm like, I'm like crawl out crawl out of the back end at that point <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that that um, uh. that um, that's a title <laughs> uh, uh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. Hmm. So okay, I feel like we we probably beyond beating the dead Just horse at this point. So, yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So I guess we'll. I, we'll, I feel like we didn't make any definitive points. I know. It's it always depends. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like frameworks. They're not my cup of tea usually, but I recognize that there are plenty of situations where they're the only feasible option. Basically, I it's would a, have, I would have hated to do the builder without Rails. Yeah, but it's like it's it's like you said the front end. It's like the the different considerations yeah. on the front end. The code organization is a great a great point, and the fact that the perform it's like overly abstracted. Like the browsers aren't ready to handle it. So if you're, but if you're not having performance problems with it, then great. You can get off the ground super fast. Um, great for collaborative stuff. Mm -hmm. 
it's great if they have a plugin architecture because then mm -hmm. you know then people can do their arbitrary bits of code like if photoswipe had a plugin architecture it'd be great yeah but it doesn't it's just this encapsulated black box and that's that so all right let's stick a fork in it okay <laughs> that's our show for this week i'm jonathan stark and i'm kelly shaver and i hope you join us again next week for the next podcast bye bye